The indie author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of. From getting over initial prejudices to staring down perfectionism and author imposter syndrome, we've become a force to reckon with. Indie authors now wear more hats than ever as we strive to create a career full of meaning, prosperity, and potential. We've juggled the demands and continue to be rebels in the face of adversity. Now, after years of hearing the shouts of hustle and grind, we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place are the seeds of a better way to rapid release. A way that feels incredible as we build a sustainable, lifelong author career that not only increases our visibility and royalties, but it's all done with intention and ease. If you're ready to buck the system and become the visionary authorpreneur I know you're meant to be, you've come to the right place. I'm Carissa Andrews, international best-selling indie author, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Well, hey there, revolutionary. I hope you had a tremendous week in writing. Now, this week's podcast is going to be a fun one. I had the privilege of speaking with best-selling and award-winning indie author and poet, Orna Ross. She is also, you may have recognized her name, the co-founder of the Alliance of Independent Authors, also known as Ally. Now, if you're not yet a part of Ally, I encourage you to check them out. Author Revolution is a partner member, and as an author, I'm also a member. The organization is a treasure trove for indies like you and me, and it is truly a great place to hang out with more from your author tribe. Now, Orna and I chat a lot about things from her origins as a writer to how she and her husband started Ally, and even how to solve some of the world's bigger problems. Trust me, you'll have to listen to find out how. <laughs> now, since the interview definitely speaks for itself, let's just hop right to it. Well, Orna, thank you so much for joining the Author Revolution podcast. I am so excited that you're here today. So I've, I've given a little bit of a bio in the beginning part of the podcast episode, but why don't you tell my audience? who you are and what you do and why they should be perking their ears up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you who I am and what I do. (laughs) And we'll see what happens to the ears. (laughs) I'm Orna Ross and um, I'm an Irish indie author. I live in London, though, London, England, and St. Leonard's on Sea. And um, I publish novels and poetry. And I became a self-publisher after a long um, number of years in journalism and media in various guises um, back in 2011. And I was immediately blown away by, you know, to, some people think of self-publishing as an alternative route to market. But for me, it has always been much, much more than that. It is about the empowerment of the author. And that's what makes it so interesting to me. It's a complete disruptor. And, you know, once digital self-publishing came in the door, the whole publishing industry, the whole writing business, uh, the fact that we even think of writing now as a business, um, you know, for readers, for writers, for anyone interested in books, in culture and in life, because, you know, books are so important to our society. And, and yeah, it's it's been to my mind, an overwhelmingly positive development. And I kind of wanted to be part of it. And I looked for, as an indie author myself, I looked for an association to join. And 
couldn't really find one. And then thought, you know, do you really want to do this? And then thought again and said, yeah, I actually do for that reason, because I, you know, the biggest thing that's happened to our industry for four or five hundred years um, wanted to be in there beating the drum for authors. So started the Alliance of Independent Authors in 2012. We're 10 years old next year. I cannot believe it. That is amazing. Okay, so you've been writing for a long time, and I know you do poetry and you do historical fiction. So you've got a new book that's coming out soon, right? Uh, Dancing in the Wind? Yes, Dancing in the Wind, which is um, part of my Yeats, what is turning into a series of books about the Irish poet W.B. Yeats and his muse, Maud Gunn, and her daughter, who was also a muse. Um, so it's a very interesting, um, unusual and creatively fascinating triangle. I love triangle, but, you know, and not in any conventional sense. So I, yeah, I've been writing about these guys for a very long time. They fascinate me and um, just keep finding more and more and just, yeah, more books keep coming out of it. That is so amazing. I, I've always loved to pull in history myself, but I don't know that I have the patience to, to really sit and research the way that historical fiction authors, you guys, you do some amazing work with studying and learning. And I mean, it's just incredible. Where did you, where do you think your fascination with that came from? Like that being able to pull history into your writing? That's the attraction for me. Yeah. I have to stop myself doing that <laughs> stuff. That stuff is always easier. <laughs> so I did uh, briefly, I, I was a historian, in fact. And really? um, yeah, so my, my MA is in history. And I, I, you know, I published some academic history back in the day. And I used to teach at a university and stuff like that. But I always wanted to write a novel that really was where, where my heart was. And sure. um, there was this family story, isn't there always? Every family has stories in their cupboard and I wanted to write about that I had when I was 14 I told the girl who sat beside me in school I said I am going to write that story someday so as I came up to my 40th birthday I thought if I'm gonna write the story I better get on with it so I I actually um yeah put it into story form and I've never really looked back I left um academic history behind then but I, I have to be careful. I can just get sucked into the historical details. I just love all that stuff. For sure. Me too. For me, it was always ancient history. I love, I love the ancient history and the elements and where we come from, sociology, all of that stuff just really wraps up into like everything I love to do. And so I like to pull in, you know, mythology into my stories and I love to, to go back in there. But that same thing, it's like I would I probably would <laughs> fall down rabbit holes and stay there <laughs> if I let myself. It's just but it's so it's so interesting to see the lessons and how they replay. And sometimes we learn them and sometimes we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I just uh, put it on my Twitter profile there just a, a week or so ago. I came across a quote by Cicero saying that, you know, if you don't know your history, you will forever be a child, mm. you know, um, intellectually and sociologically and every other way. I think history is so important and our society doesn't really value it enough, I think. You know, we were so in the moment and the 24-hour news cycle and everything that a little history goes a long way in giving you perspective and even in easing anxiety, you know. So 
I'm I'm very um, keen to see more history taught and produced and stories told. Yeah, I agree. You're right. The more that we spend time, at least remembering the past and remembering where we've come from as not not necessarily our own lives, but sometimes because it can bring out some interesting patterns in ourselves that we need to let go of. But even as a society as a whole, it's so so interesting to be able to look back and go, okay, this is a cycle that's continued to play out throughout the generations. And maybe if it continues, we're in this particular part of the cycle and it will drop off or it will be an extinction burst or it'll be, you know, something along the lines of like, let's just ride this out and let it go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So you, like you said, you, you've started the Alliance of Independent Authors in 2012. Great year, by the way. I'm really interested. You said that it was because uh, you didn't find an organization that would be there to support you. So is that really what brought you and your husband together to, to build this whole thing up? Or was it um, a friend or like, what, what was the, the catalyst then? That was the catalyst. You know, if, if, if it had been out there, there wouldn't have been a need to do it. Um, sure. It's very much like the, the book, you know, the book that's not there on the shelf. So you feel, OK, I'll write that one then. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It was that kind of, of, of motion. Um, and there was absolutely no big intention for us to, you know, it was going to be small. <laughs> it was going to be... <laughs> <laughs> love it. It was going to be a thing that was going to be fun for us to do together. And we were going to gather a few nice people around us and we were going to make, a, you know, an association be provide support for each other. And um, it just grew, didn't it? It just kind of mushroomed and, and year on year, it just it became it pretty immediately became international. And, um, you know, within our, literally our first month, we had the people all over the globe and it was a big learning curve. So I was going through a kind of, you know, the learning curve of publishing my own work for the first time at the same time as learning everything that was happening through Ally and what the community needed and uh, stuff around copyright. And, you know, there was so much to learn and so much to to. But then also for both of us, um, Philip, my husband and I, um, he brought a huge amount of experience on the business side, legal uh, management, all that kind of stuff. And I brought the, the media and publishing background. And I had worked as a literary agent briefly as well. So I had a lot of um, background in rights. And, and so it just was the perfect, it just kind of was a very organic thing that just grew. And it, it then we realized one day we looked at each other and said oh my you know this is amazing <laughs> this is right? just yeah it's just the way it, it developed and uh, yeah we haven't looked back since we began to take it really seriously and at the end of 2013 realizing this isn't going to be small this is something that needs to be bigger and uh, you know needs to be worthy of the community really because it's quite an impressive community of people it is it is you know, amazing yeah. Indie authors are, you know, they're just so such doers. They are such they bring together very integrated people, usually because they, you know, they have to balance the creative and the commercial. And, you know, we're, we were dealing with these powerhouses of people. And so the organization had to be reflective of that. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of here we are. Oh man, I, I would love to have been in the room with you as things were starting to explode and and everything was really growing for you. I bet that was just an amazing feeling 
to see the, the, the excitement and people actually, <laughs> I don't know, excited to do the things that you're, you're teaching and growing. It's amazing. It was so exciting. And to see, to witness, you know, gave me such joy. And what was so exciting was the empowerment in our community. You know, that sense of, and that this is affecting the entire author community. So uh, as I said, I worked as a literary agent for some years. And the, the reason I became a literary agent was I was running a writing school and our authors were getting uh, offers from publishers and the contracts were absolutely scandalous I mean absolutely appalling and so I was you know I came at that time I lived in Dublin and I came to London to do a course in rights and went back home and started saying to people no don't but don't accept that clause put this in take that out and then eventually kind of accidentally tumbled into being an agent for for a couple of years um, because <laughs> just couldn't, couldn't keep doing all that for nothing but it it didn't really suit me that being a literary agent and it was a temporary thing. But I, I think, you know, I was very aware of how disempowered the, the author was. And of course, we see, see it in all of my son works in film and you see it in lots of industries, the creative, the disempowerment of the creative and the appalling money that we're supposed to accept. And, you know, all of this kind of stuff has always infuriated me. Um, and so it's just so wonderful. You know, we're about 15 years in now to to this change and to having an alternative. But I think it's only really now in the last three years or so that we're really seeing authors waking up to, the, you know, what's possible and their sense of, hey, you know, I can do this. I can do I can also do something over here that I never even thought I could do. And right. I think as that continues, you know watch this space we're going to see some amazing things in the next 10 years I agree with you there that was such a great segue too because on your website you have this section um, where it's why I'm an indie author and you mention a creative business like author publishing makes a positive difference in the wider world conventional business is profit powered and what has poisoned so much human interaction in recent centuries and what's poisoning the planet we live on is this single-minded pursuit of commercial profit without the balancing force of a deeper creative or spiritual purpose. And when I was reading that, I was like, oh my gosh, I resonate with that so much. So do you think that mindset's always really been there for you? I mean, it sounds like it has been that you're, you're really about that empowerment of the author and the creative and, and it being about that, that almost spiritual joy of creation, but still being rewarded over it versus that, you know, constant, power push of money and profit do, do you agree yes. yeah yes it's that's I suppose the central interest of my life you know as a person as well as as a writer and as a business owner non-profit owner and um, all of the things I I think this is the central I mean it's enacted every day in our own selves every day we'll have that that kind of struggle between these different parts of ourselves that you know Freud called the ego you know you can put different names on it but I think of it as the creative spirit on one side and the conventional or commercial pressures on the other and um, we have to kind of marry these two um, it's really important that they integrate, that we don't deny one side or the other but our society has denied the creative spirit. 
And, you know, it started with the Industrial Revolution. Things became very mechanised. The harnessing of people as labour. I mean, of course, if we go back further, slave labour, um, you know, and, and that whole treatment of the planet is just an endless resource for us to to. You know, we don't factor in 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 the clothes we buy. Even I mean, I'm going off topic here completely, but <laughs> even in the clothes no, we buy, the, the food we eat, we're not factoring in the true cost. The true cost of if we pay people properly to produce this, the true cost of if we factored in the environmental cost, the pollution cost, how much this item actually should. We've been just driven with this kind of cheap sales mentality. Yeah, for decades and decades, and we're all enculturated into that. So yeah, I'm I'm endlessly fascinated. I'm not going to solve any of these things, but I am endlessly fascinated and endlessly drawn to writing about and thinking about how those two things, how we can integrate better the two sides of 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 life. For sure, for me, it's. When I think about it, I'm I am also drawn to that. I've always been very deeply impassioned about all of the the diversity versus the justice versus how do we create more equality in life, whether it's um, you know socially or economically or whatever. It's it's always been something that's very fascinating to me as well. And I really think some of the ways that we do combat that though is through creativity because I think when you're you're going through the educational system and everything is so black and white you forget that there's all those colors and all the grays and all the things in the middle. And when you can think creatively, whether it's through writing or art in another form, it opens up your mind to be able to find those differences or to see that maybe this isn't the right way to do this. There's got to be a better way. And then we, you know, we as creatives, I think are more nudged toward finding a solution versus just accepting what is, don't you think? I completely do. And uh, and I think this skill that we develop, you know, because we define as creatives and, um, you know, devote ourselves and dedicate ourselves to producing our, our thing, be it books or whatever it might be, we have to um, learn as we go different skills. And those creative skills, I think, are urgently needed in, by our wider community. I think there's a lot to offer there because essentially the creative approach is something you can bring to everything in life. We, and we're not. We're bringing very conventional, very old, tired. Our politics is so tired. Mm. You just have to listen to the sloganeering and, and the words that are being spoken to, to hear and feel in your heart, how stale it all is. Yep. Um, you know, creativity is needed now as never before. Similarly, our business world you know, there's a, there are really exciting things going on in certain places, but then there is this, this kind of mentality that underlies it that is very stale and very old. So, yeah, I think as creatives, we have a lot to offer just in our understanding of the creative process and how it works. Things like facing fear, you know, learning by doing exploring and experimenting, not being afraid to fail, um, you know, all these things I think are really um, key skills that are we need to be teaching our kids if they're going to do things differently. And we can see from the young generation coming up that they really both want to and absolutely need to. 
So, um, yeah, we've a lot as older creatives. I speak for myself. Um, we've a lot <laughs> myself as well. Hand on. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's it's really interesting too. it. Like you said, it's it's almost that dynamic between like the fear energy, the old fear energy and the oppression of it versus like the joy that's almost in com- combative uh, war, I guess, with it. It's It's like there's those two sides that are trying to, you know, love joy, you know, creativity, whatever. And it's, it's like, they're trying to push and pull, trying to see which one's going to win. And <laughs> it's like, let's just, let's get the fear out of there. Let's move it. It doesn't yeah, need to be here. Absolutely. And you know, isn't that, doesn't that describe your morning when you're trying to get going on yes. your book? You know, <laughs> definitely my morning this is. morning, I'll tell you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we live that as our daily reality in a small way inside ourselves. So we can, when we see it writ large in society, we recognize it for what it is. But I, I'm not hearing that conversation much outside of our own, you know, communities. Yeah. It's not having an impression at the societal level as yet. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of what's called for. I agree. I agree. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, now that we can solve all the world's problems, <laughs> one of the things I noticed on um, your website when I was digging in, you are just, you are, you, I can tell you and Joanne are our friends because you guys are very dynamic when it comes to all the ways that you're, you're testing out how to um, be an indie and what that looks like and how it works. And so one of the things I noticed is that you use Patreon, however you want to say it, Patreon, Patreon, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> for yourself as an author and as a poet and uh, do you use it for your podcast as well I can't remember if you do or do not but no I do just an exclusive workshop once a month for a smaller group of people yeah our podcast is freely available to everybody gotcha so one of the things like I said it's really interesting that you're using that though for your books and so could you explain kind of how that came about and if if it's working well for you is this something that indies should really kind of think about incorporating as well it depends, is is what I would say. So um, you're absolutely right um, about trying out all the different things. I think that's my kind of duty, almost, yeah. as, as director of Ally, that I have, you know, given things a try, and I, I don't always stick with them at all, but I, I kind of need to know about uh, different, I can't know all of them, but um, any service that's looking like it's becoming central or important in the community, I, I kind of give a go and find out what it's like from a user perspective, not just observing it from the outside. So with Patreon, that was it really. I wanted to kind of see because I feel myself, it's a feeling I have and it's it's being borne out by statistics now and the trends are definitely heading in that direction that the personal connection between the writer and the reader is the most important thing and you know we were talking earlier about the whole empowerment thing that idea of a a thousand true fans who will really support your work really like get you and really like what you do and even now you know people are talking about a hundred true fans um, spending enough money to to keep um, an author supported and so yeah we're seeing it writers are actually leaving the day job because they're making enough be it through books there are many 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 ways we can do it 
and it's Patreon, by the way, because I asked them. Okay, good. That's good to know. Okay, because <laughs> I I never knew what to say either. So it's Patreon um, based on Patron. So yeah, I I originally just tried it with poetry because I thought, well, that'll be interesting. Try it with the most, um, you know, of the three macro genre fiction, nonfiction, poetry. Poetry is the most specialist. Give it a go with that. And yeah, that was that was interesting. And then when I needed to um, I wanted to do a smaller workshop for creative business planners who were interested in, in my go creative method. Um, I thought, well, you know, I'll organize that through Patreon. It's something completely different. But this is the joy of it is that you can have different tiers and offer them different things. And it just makes all of that very, very convenient. And now I have just literally also put up the similar sort of um, tiers that I was offering for poetry. I've just literally put my fiction stuff up there as well. And I'll begin to reach out on that. So in short, a long answer to your question, it has been good for me. I, I am making it now central to my whole operation. And yes. um, I'm producing, yes, and it, it's guiding my productivity. So I am producing a chapbook, a poetry chapbook, and a tiny novella each month for my patrons that is exclusive to them they're kind of uh, with the novella each one is a section from a, a larger work so they are witnessing the work as it's unfolding and the chapbooks of poetry uh, later will be collected in different ways in different collections but those chapbooks will be um, completely exclusive to the patrons and I love it I love it because it draws the productivity out of me. I have to meet those deadlines um, and I just love the close connection. And, you know, I can I can't because of just the size of um, the the task. I can't uh, run my email inbox, you know, my general email inbox. So. I have people who look after that for me and I, I kind of lost stuff in that that I have regained through Patreon because I'm, I, I can I go direct to my patrons. And I love that. I like that we can have that, that direct kind of contact. So I think this is important, though. I'm not just talking about myself here. I, I think it's really important for authors to think about the fact that the, the reader cares about you more than anything you are the brand your books are what are most important to your readers and I don't think authors are cognizant enough of that Mm -hmm. we're too inclined to just you know go with what's handy maybe or go with what we hear about it's really really worth experimenting and trying out a few things just give it a month or give it a quarter to try something out with no return and no expectation that it's going to give a return. You just do it, do it for the fun of it, do it for the heck of it. And you just never know what might happen because, you know, it's amusing to me. I meet indie authors who will tell you, you know, 100% the only way you can make money as an indie author is to do A or B or C or D or E or F. And it's the only way. And of course, <laughs> I've seen people doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, all the way to Z and beyond, yep. you know succeeding in so many diverse ways and uh, there's just so many ways to do this and so I would say to, to people who are listening stop doing anything you're not enjoying only do things you love 
outsource as much as you can things that you don't. And yes. I do realize at different points in your career or in your business, this is not possible. I do accept that. But as soon as you possibly can, but more than anything, if you have a hunch, give it a go. If you, you know, bring your creative and your commercial um, goals together as much as you can in terms of making your decisions of what will I do and what won't I do, because the choice is endless and there is no one right way and um, you can make a go of any way you choose if it's the right way for you I love that what's really interesting like what when you're talking about how you use um patreon patreon oh my god I've already forgotten how you said that <laughs> patreon, right there. rhymes with patron yeah patron, patron. <laughs> okay the, the, the thing that was really interesting to me was that it, it's like almost the way the concept of like what Wattpad was trying to do or is trying to do and what Kindle Vela is trying to do with everything, but it's, it's more enclosed and it's more personal. It's like, that's almost seems to me a more enjoyable way to do the exact same thing as, as they're doing, but you, you have that, you know, closer knit community that can get to know you better. That actually feels way better. Why (laughs) why are people doing that? Exactly. I think because we, don't know we can maybe or you know or we think we have to do Amazon you, you know you hear so many people saying you have to be on Amazon but actually you don't mm-hmm. not unless you want to be on Amazon that's complete I'm on Amazon I want to be on Amazon but you don't have to be I know lots of authors who are not on Amazon who are doing very well indeed thank you so, you know, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And, and the thing is, we, we tend when we hear these things, we take them too much at face value because at, at the beginning, we don't know what we're doing. We're all over the place. We're overwhelmed. We're learning like crazy, you know, and we're trying to just keep up with ourselves. And we hear people who've been doing the job for a year or two. We see they're doing OK and they say something. We think they're right. But, you know, they are right for them, but they're not necessarily right for you. And it takes a little while to get the confidence to step back and think about, you know, is this way right for me? Or I would like to to develop it in a different sort of way. And, you know, the whole selling direct to your readers, you know, having your transactional website where if a reader happens to be on your website and likes what you're saying, uh, they can actually go across and buy a book, you know, download an ebook. It is not difficult at all to set this up on your website. Uh, Yet so few authors are doing it. And, um, you know, it's a really, really, it's a big oversight, I think. And you will hear people saying, oh, this tax implications really complicated and this and that and the rest. And when you actually go into it, it isn't at all. So that's, you know, one example. The Patreon thing is another Everything that Amazon is doing, you can do yourself. You can have your own subscription model. You can have your own Bella model. You can, ha- you know, you can do right. everything that they, you can learn from them. You have a business. They have a business. They are sure, you know, not worrying about your business. <laughs> so, <Right>. you know, <laughs> you need to be the person who does that. And, um, you know, Again, Ally has a, encourages strongly a principle of non-exclusivity, going wide, being on as many platforms as you can, selling to as many territories as you can, producing your books in as many formats as you can, and recognizing that all of this takes time. And it is a long-term business. It isn't a short-term thing for most people. 
It takes two years to get up on your feet, generally speaking, um, long bird, depending on what kinds of books you write and what your personal situation is in terms of how much time you can give it. But it's very, very doable once you acquire the skills of writing and publishing. And it's it's fantastic. It it's, really it's is. Great, yeah. And once you get past that, those first two like headless chicken years and you, you start realizing how it works, it, it's it's so empowering too to kind of realize I can be in control of my schedule, my editorial calendar, how I want to publish, when I want to publish all of those things. And that's, that's a lot of what I teach as well of, of trying to figure out, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the crazy lunatic publish a book a month, you know, kind of routine. Yeah. It can be a more laid back, you know, four books a year. It could be two books a year. It could be one, as long as you're, as long as you're feeling comfortable and you're moving yourself forward into that prolific authorhood down the road. And you know, that that's the direction you want to move and, and take for the rest of your life. And it's, exactly. it's so empowering to know that that's up to you to determine what you want to do. It doesn't have to just be like, I feel like writing today. You could be like, I don't feel like writing today, but I'll write tomorrow, you know, (laughs) but you know, you're going to do it because your, your whole business is built on, you know, publishing however many books or whatever. It's, it's so fascinating the way it's evolved in the past 10 years where it was all very, it felt like becoming an indie author was all done by the seat of our pants. (laughs) We were all pantsers. It didn't matter who we were. (laughs) So true. Yeah. And now we're, now we're kind of starting to get that, you know, we can actually have a plan here a little bit. <laughs> Definitely. And, and what you say about the editorial calendar, the editorial content as well, you know, we can, we can produce books in different sorts of ways. We don't have to, um, simple example, you know, the, the average book was generally considered to be about 70,000 words, but we're finding that what the community, what most readers want, depending, of course, on genres, some some need big fat books. But generally speaking, the shorter, the better. And, and for authors as well, why write, you know, one big 100 word, thousand word, you know, if you can make it three. And um, so, you know, we can we can decide how we're going to do this. We can decide we want to if we want to we can bring three books out together and we can or we can you know I wanted to do I mean publishers won't let you do a series you know turn up and say okay I want to do nine books on such and such they just won't encourage you to do that they'll take one and then they'll see and they'll very slowly carefully tentatively you know but you've got your series and you want to get nine of them out and you want to get them done while you're on the creative flow as well right so um yeah it's it's magic to have that of course it also is challenging and all that freedom brings responsibility and you know we can rush things or we can take shortcuts cut corners you know we've to be careful about all of that too we've got all this power and control so we need to also kind of take up the responsibilities that go with that but um yeah uh, so many authors are. I think this is a, an amazing people in the publishing industry because they always, you know, writers just want to write. But actually, so many authors showing, well, no, I quite like publishing too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the part that I enjoy the most is the, the I mean, I love the creative part. It's a different part of the brain. I mean, I yeah. when I'm writing, it's completely, I don't know, it must be the, what is it, the right side of the brain? It's like, I can tell it's a completely different flow than when I'm in my zone for marketing or, you know, something like that. It's like no problem whatsoever. (laughs) 
And so it's like, you know, morning is all about creativity for me. I, I've learned that about my brain and how it works. Afternoon's all about like the functionality because my after lunch, I, I don't know what it is. Creativity goes down. So give me something I can like organize. <laughs> I think so many of us follow that. That's exactly my routine as well. If I don't get creative stuff done in the morning, it just doesn't have the same flavor. You know, I can yeah. I can beaver away at it in the afternoon, but it uh, doesn't seem to work. No. And uh, yeah, organizational brain works much better. And the energy, it's more energizing to do it that way as well. You know, less likely to have the afternoon slump. So yeah, that's my routine too. Same. My husband is the exact opposite though. Like he, he is like dead to the world for until about noon. And then all of a sudden he's come to life and he can do just about anything after that yeah. oh gosh yeah it's so funny it is interesting you do have to find your own version I guess of how you want to become but and that's the cool thing about being an indie I think personally oh there's so many different ways to do it but okay so you mentioned your website and I want to go back to that real quick because you said that you're you have your books um, listed for sale on your website and that was another really cool thing because that's something I don't think a lot of authors think about doing either. It's like they have, they'll have buttons, you know, go buy it on Amazon, go buy it from, you know, Barnes and Noble, whatever, but they don't think about how they can actually incorporate that into their own website. And I I think that's really a powerful thing to do where, I don't know. I don't know why, again, why authors don't think about doing that sort of thing. Do you think that's just a systemic part of it that we think we have to give that control over to a a store to do it or what what have you think it's, there's a few different reasons. It's a bugbear of mine, it, uh, you know, that we don't do this. And I really, really encourage everyone to do it. So and I think there are reasons why we don't do it. You know, if you people want to drive all their sales to Amazon because, you know, if you go up the ranks, there's a chance that you will then get picked up and there'll be more organic sales and you will do better in the end than if you just stick to your own site and that's a valid uh, you know criteria but it doesn't explain why you wouldn't have them for sale on your own site anyway for the reader who's not going to find you on Amazon and tumbles across your website you know it's it seems to me crazy that at the moment where they find out about you you're you're taking them away what seems really crazy though and I so many authors do this and it you know I really really question it is paying a fortune for Facebook ads to bring them to Amazon and mm-hmm. um, you know why not use your Facebook ads to bring them to your own sales pages right. and 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 then you get the email address you're growing your list you know you're developing a relationship you they have your email address you're just bringing them in closer you know that's you, very you yes so you know I'm not saying don't have a relationship with Amazon but, you know, have your relationship with Amazon, have your books on Amazon, have an Amazon strategy, maybe maybe really focus in on one or two books on Amazon can also make a lot of sense and getting higher up the rankings and putting some some juice behind that can absolutely make sense. I'm not saying never do it, but I am saying for heaven's sake, your website is the core of your business. Uh, so think strongly about what you're investing in and you will never find out from Amazon who your readers are. You will never get an email address. They're collecting your people as you bring them over, as you pay Facebook to, to send them over, who are also benefiting, you know, right? Um, wake up to the power of your own business. I think that circles right back around to why authors don't realize 
that readers want to have a connection with them because they're, they're so busy putting everything outside of themselves that they don't realize that all these, all these readers who are reading want to get to know that author better. And, and then they, again, it's that whole resistance thing. They, they don't want, what do I write in a newsletter? Why should I do a newsletter? You know? So it's like, then they don't even do that aspect of it either. And it's like, yes. oh, you, you need to, to build those relationships and then you'll feel closer to your readers and you'll feel almost more joy from doing the creation too. Cause it's, it's lonely enough. You don't have to have like the, <laughs> the marketing and the, the getting the books out there be lonely too. Ha- get noticed, noticed and notified when people are enjoying it. Absolutely. And it's, you know, back to that idea of empowerment, you can gain such a sense of power and confidence from your readers, you know, and from having that closer connection. It's it's a really beautiful thing, you know, and your imaginations have melded in, in your words, you know, right. why not have, a, you know, take that a little bit further. And I, I think, you know, you touched on it there around the email. I think that's very key the author who doesn't want to send a newsletter, all of that is around confidence in communication. So it's almost like we pour our skills and our hearts and everything else into the books and like we don't have that bit left over for right. that other other bit of communication that needs to happen. Yeah. But if you think about the amount of time and thought and energy that goes into um, promoting in other ways and to other people. I really think it's very worthwhile putting a little bit of time into building that confidence by taking some tentative steps. And just once you feel that reader love, you uh, <laughs> yes. you know, it can go from there. It's very, very different experience to ha- having the reader, um, you know, that close than reading your reviews on Goodreads. They're not the same experience. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it, and especially like if you've been sharing certain aspects of your life that you only share in your newsletter or with maybe your friends or whatever, and someone re- responds back to you and goes, "Oh, how did that thing turn out?" You know, two months ago that you said, and they're just like, "They were listening." Oh my gosh, they they actually like what? <laughs> it's amazing. Exactly. It is so cool. It's yeah. lovely. It, it really is. is. <laughs> I agree. Oh my gosh. Okay, so. One of the cool things I want to talk about is I'm excited to be joining this, the virtual stage. I was going to say the stage, but the virtual stage with you uh, for a self-published con happening here in October, the 23rd and 24th. So can you tell my audience a little bit of what self-pubcon is and how Ally got involved and why authors listening right now need to go like race to get their free tickets? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's um, we've been running it since it grew out of Indie Recon was the original uh, conception of this. And it was two enterprising indie authors who started it back in 2013, I think it was. And then I think it was 2015, they came to us and said, you know, we're kind of a bit exhausted by this. It's hard work. And there's just the two of us. Would you take it over? So so we did. We bought it from them and it's been running ever since. And yeah, it's just it's a 24 hour extravaganza is the only word. We're so thrilled we have you with us this time. Our theme this time out is writing craft. We almost always deal with um, publishing topics, but we're going all out on writing this time. 
We do 24 hours because it's our international audience and we want it to be live, some of the action to be live to everybody at some point in the day. But then it remains freely open and available to everybody for three free days. So, yes, it's at selfpublishingadviceconference.com, longest email address or sorry, uh, web address in the world. Uh, (laughs) Selfpublishingconference. Selfpublishingadviceconference.com. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get around to that one of these days. Um, yeah. And if you just sign up for your um, free days, then we'll send all the information that you need to, to attend and to, to get the most out of the conference. And we've, we've got some amazing panels and presentations and um, our social media of choice for the conference is Twitter. So we'll, there'll be lots of action going on. So it's hurtling towards us and uh, it's always a great day. And it's the biggest gathering of indie authors online um, usually each year. So it, it really is busy and buzzy and great fun. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. And I've, I've been checking over like what everyone else is going to be talking about. It's going to, I mean, these people are just incredible that you've put together. So I'm, I'm so excited about the conference and, and joining and being a part of it. It's going to be so much fun. So thank you for allowing me to be one of the people there. (laughs) Thanks for being involved. It's great to have you. Oh my goodness. I I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Well, Orna, thank you so much for joining the Author Revolution podcast. I really appreciate that you've been here and sharing all of your insights and wisdom. But oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled that you're here. So if my audience wants to come find you or come find Ally or come find the Self-Published Con, I will have all of the uh, links available as well. But where can they go if they just want to hear you say it and they're going to type it real quick right now? <laughs> um, Ornaross.com, I guess, is, is, the, is the way to go because there are links out to everything from there. That's my kind of hub on the internet. So yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really, like I said, I really appreciate you being here and coming on the podcast. And I, I don't know why you weren't here sooner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really enjoyed the chat. Thanks so much for having me. Isn't Orna awesome? I could seriously listen to her amazing accent all day long. And that's saying something because I live in the same house with two English dudes. (laughs) Orna is also one of those amazingly kind-hearted women who you just love talking to and feel connected to right away. I am so glad that she wanted to be on the show and I'm glad and appreciative that she was able to make the time. Now, if you'd like to grab links to Orna's website, the Alliance of Independent Authors, or the Self-Publishing Advice Conference happening on October 23rd and 24th, be sure to head over to the show notes at authorrevolution.org forward slash 99. I will also make sure that there's a transcript from our talk available as well for downloading. Now, definitely grab your tickets to Self-Publish Con while you can and while you're thinking about it. My presentation is going to be all about the prolific author mindset. And if you've heard enough about me blabbering on on that topic there are still a ton of incredibly awesome mentors that you can learn from over the course of the conference. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you have a fantastic week ahead getting new words on the page. I am still plugging along with Immortals 2, so we are in this together, my friend. We got this. Now, go forth and start your author revolution. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people. Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, 
Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution Podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon.